So again, these are six foolproof ways to tell that a woman is toxic. Let's get right into it. Number one, she's always the victim. If she's always pointing fingers, blaming you, never taking accountability, it's always everyone's fault but hers, this is not a good sign and a sign that she's unable to take accountability for her actions, which is obviously not beneficial if you're looking for a healthy, mature relationship. This yeah, if she can't take responsibility, you're going to have a very bad time. So for example, if she always blames you for stuff, right? Oh, the reason I would, uh, the reason I'm acting this way is because of you. It's your fault. You started it. You created the problem. If it's always your fault, you're going to have a bad time. This is the type of girl that's always going to make you feel guilty, who's going to make you feel like you need to be apologizing for things that you didn't even do, simply because of the fact that she can't take accountability for her actions. Plain and simple, it's exhausting to be with someone like this and a toxic situation to be in where someone is always blaming other people and playing the victim. Now, there's a really big difference between playing the victim and actually being the you know person who is in the right in a situation. I'm not saying that she can never be the victim in a situation, but I do think that constantly playing the victim or wanting to be the victim and wanting people to feel bad for you and throw a pity party for you is not a good way to live your life and is exhausting to be with someone like that. Indeed. Very true. Let's continue. Number two, and one of the easiest ways to see things from the very beginning is that they play games. This is something that you honestly might be able to pick up on from the very start and save yourself some time. I say this all the time on my channel. If you have been on my channel for a while, I'm sure you've heard me say this a million times. If she's playing games with you, this is a sign that she is insecure and immature and we don't have time for that here. And also, this is going to be a window into what the rest of your relationship is going to look like with her, which probably is not a healthy, happy one. I will also say this, and I think it's important for me to mention this at some point in the video, is that a lot of times toxic people and toxic behaviors stem from, you know, insecurity, immaturity, but also trauma and also things that we need to deal with and heal within ourselves that a lot of people just don't step up and do. Does it mean? Yeah. So, uh, by the way, what does it mean when they play games? It means they're hot, they're cold, they're into you one day, then the next day they say they're not. Uh, they're wishy-washy. They flake. Um, they they try. They manipulate you. You know that that sort of that sort of thing is called is is what playing games means. Um, they they toy with your emotions on purpose, etc. Mean that this person is going to be toxic forever? No, absolutely not. Does it mean this person is going to be undateable for their entire lives? No, absolutely not. But I will say, it is not your responsibility to stick around and find out if they change or to try to be the one to change them. I would not recommend any of you do that. In this case of talking about a toxic girl, it is her responsibility to take ownership for her toxic behaviors and heal herself and work things out so that long term, she can potentially be in a healthy, happy relationship. Yeah, it's not your job to fix her. If she is broken, let her stay broken and go on to a new girl. Seriously, guys. And while we're on the topic of stepping up and taking charge of her mental health here, I'm really excited that today's video is sponsored by... Oh, okay. We'll skip this sponsor. I've been feeling a little bit overwhelmed and I've been struggling a little bit, you know, running two YouTube channels, trying to make time for myself. Oh, uh, okay. One sec, one sec, one sec. Okay. Competition. Being competitive and competition in general is a very normal thing in a lot of aspects of our lives. Maybe you're playing a video game or a board game or, you know, you're doing something fun with your partner that gets a little bit competitive. What is not healthy is when your achievements become competition. 
and I found a quote from an article that I want to share with all of you that says, healthy relationships are based on a mutual desire to see the other succeed in all areas of life, Carabello says. But when things turn toxic, every achievement becomes a competition. So maybe this looks like she doesn't encourage you. She doesn't support you. She gets upset when you get a promotion at work or when some- Yeah, th- this would be the career women, right? Like, Again, guys, if you're, if you're not choosing, like, these strong, independent boss babes, you, you probably won't have this problem. Um, but yeah, strong, independent boss babes are like this, right? They get jealous when you do what a man is supposed to do, which is be successful at work, right? So, yeah, obviously, that's, that's, a, hilarious, uh, th- that's a hilarious thing. You're competing with her like she's a man. Like, obviously, that's wrong, right? Obviously, that's, that's hilariously wrong. Something good happens in your life because she's only able to be happy for you if the same thing is happening to her. Maybe you just got an A on your exam, but she got a C, so she's upset and mad at you for the fact that you got an A. There are so many situations and scenarios where this can present itself. Um, That's just a little example I wanted to share with you in case maybe you've been in something like that. But again, this can present itself in many areas of our life, whether it be with friendships or work or a promotion or getting a new job. I mean, it could be, again, an array of things, but when achievement becomes competition, she's not supportive, she's not encouraging, she's not happy for you and she only cares about herself this is a real issue and that leads me into my next point here number four which is excessive envy or jealousy if envy is keeping your partner from being happy for your success this is a big issue and it's quite frankly toxic yeah envy meaning uh she is jealous of what you have or wants what you have and and dislikes that you have what you have Uh, again this is very masculine right like um she shouldn't be envious of you. In fact, she should be proud to be with you. So uh, it's it's kind of backwards, the dynamic that's supposed to happen here. When we're talking about jealousy here, jealousy is a natural human emotion, but when it leads to constantly mistrusting your partner, snooping through their phone, or crossing boundaries, this isn't a good thing. And being jealous and envious isn't cute. And I know it might seem okay in the beginning, or people say, you know, it's healthy to have a little bit of envy or jealousy in your relationships. But again, when it gets to this excessive point, or a point where, you know, you're crossing boundaries and you can't trust each other. Now, if you've given someone a reason not to trust you, that's a totally different story. That's not what I'm talking about here but say for instance you bring up a story you're telling her something and there's a girl that you mention in it and the second that you mention the girl she absolutely freaks out even though you've done nothing wrong yeah what what that means is that she's she's cheated in the past right that's the that's the implication there right um or she mistrusts your intentions right of bringing that up it's it's um looking for a reason to be upset right which is another red flag, right? Oh, by the way, uh, I had I had one of uh, one of the viewers. He he wanted me to talk about temper, right? Um, <clears throat> which I don't know if Courtney's going to get to, but um, so so temper um, is is very important to to look at in relationships. So here's the problem: if you're in a relationship with a girl, who is the one that should be getting angry? You or her? If anything, the man should be getting angry because, again, it's a masculine quality. Again, women tend to find more angry men more attractive. I don't know if you've noticed that. When men get angry, actually, it, it, it's actually attractive to women, which is very funny. But anyway, if she is getting angry, 
the implication is she's masculine, right? And anger is is um what's it called? What what it would imply if she has like explosions of rage or fits of rage, first of all, it implies she has low emotional regulation. She's not able to control herself, right? She she is not able to be cooperative or submissive. She has to get her point across, and it doesn't matter how she delivers it, she's gonna deliver it, which again is masculine. But also what it implies is in her previous relationships, she was with an angry guy and she took his demeanor. She's acting like a man, right? Whenever she hears something she doesn't like, she explodes in rage. It's not a thing that girls do. Girls, when they get mad, they they cry or get sad. They don't get mad. Getting mad is masculine. So again, it implies the girl is very masculine to be exploding in rage at you. It's not normal, guys. That is, it's actually a huge red flag. And and there's more. What if it goes one step further than explosive rage and goes into physical A-word? It's something to worry about. Because in 2023 in the West, she can hit you all she wants and you get the consequences, not her. Right? So... If she's exploding in rage, the next step past that is throwing hands. Do you really want to be in a relationship with a girl where that might happen? That's what I'm saying. That's exhibit A. And again here, if something positive is happening in your life, you would think that your partner would be encouraging and supportive, but if envy is keeping them from being supportive or encouraging of you, this is toxic. Number five is that she's controlling. And again, my last two points that I made have led me to this point and they're all kind of entwined within each other because often if, you know, she's controlling, she also might be envious or jealous. Does she make you sit on the couch when you get home from work so that she can come and take your shoes off for you, but one day you decide to take your own shoes off and she has a frantic meltdown? If you watch the Johnny Depp trial, you probably know exactly what I'm referring to here, but regardless of if you watch that or not, generally speaking here, controlling behavior is toxic. Being controlling of your partner is not healthy, point blank, period. Does she control who you hang out with, who you talk to, what you do on a daily basis, how you take your shoes off, if you take your shoes off? I know that's a crazy example, but this is just proof that it happens. Yeah, um, so this sort of behavior starts off small and then escalates, right? So at first, it's why do you hang out with this guy? And then it 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 goes you know, more and more into her trying to monopolize your time and attention. What's what's the point? Why do women do this? Well, they do this because they want all your attention, resources, and stuff for themselves. Um, and why would that be useful? Well, it would be useful because she then gets the maximum amount of resources from you. Okay, uh, let's read an, uh, one of these chapters by Rodo Tomasi. It's called Letting Go of Invisible Friends. Um, so this is from The Rational Mail, uh, written by Rodo Tomasi. Long-distance relationships are not relationships. I'm sorry to break this to you, but there is no such thing as a long-distance relationship. That's correct. You have no relationship. A long-distance relationship does not meet the criteria necessary for it to be considered a legitimate relationship. There's no reciprocity of anything more than words passing over a phone line or instant messaging text. Understand me here. You have no relationship. You have self-assumed accountability, self-assumed liability, and internalized responsibilities to be loyal to this person. This idealization is in your head. 
You're you're entertaining a commitment to fidelity with an idealization and ignoring what everyone outside of your long-distance relationship will regularly tell you is insanity. Long-distance relationships are one of the more insidious forms of one-itis. Long-distance relationships are the most easily identifiable form of one-itis and it would be laughable if it weren't so damaging to a guy's life maturation. The long-distance relationship man generally sacrifices years of his life in this pitiable effort to pursue his soulmate across the planet or even a hundred miles away. The very thought of refuting that idea uh, that a long-distance relationship is, can work is equitable to denying his belief that his fantasized one is fueled idealization that he swallowed for the better part of his life. It's easy to criticize a long-distance relationship in terms of questioning either party's earnestness and fidelity in entertaining a long-distance relationship. This is usually the tack that most people giving advice on long-distance relationships will follow. One or both parties are or will cheat on the other over the course of time. It's true, but long-distance relationships are far more telling of a mentality that results in much more damaging consequences as a result of deeply conditioned self-expectations and fears. I can't begin to list the number of otherwise intelligent and ambitious men I've known who've drastically altered the course of their lives to follow their one. Men who've changed their majors in college, who've selected or switched to universities, men who've applied for jobs in states they would never have considered, accepting jobs that are substandard to their ambitions or qualifications, men who've renounced former religions, and men who've moved across the planet all in an effort to better accommodate an idealized woman with whom they've played pseudo-boyfriend over the course of a long-distance relationship, only to find that she wasn't the person they thought she was and were depressive over the gravity that their decisions played in their lives. A a long-distance relationship is akin to a let's-just-be-friends, but writ large and festering in a man's life. You play surrogate boyfriend, voluntarily accepting and internalizing all the responsibilities and accountabilities of being a woman's exclusive monogamous partner, with no expectation of reciprocating intimacy or bedroom fun in the immediate future. However, a long-distance relationship is worse than a let's-just-be-friends arrangement, since it pervasively locks a man into a success or failure mentality with regards to the relationship actually being legitimate. After all, she's agreed to remain his girlfriend from miles away. And if he's the one to falter, it's his lack of perseverance and his one-eyedest ego investment that dooms them. Once the long-distance relationship inevitably ends, he's the one left with the self-doubt. He's the one beating himself up over wasting time, money, and effort. And he's the one feeling guilty whether he or she is a true cheater. Invisible friends. A long-distance relationship is like having an invisible friend with whom you're constantly considering the course of your actions. Consider the personal, romantic, familial, educational, career, personal maturity, and growth opportunities that you've limited yourself from or never had a chance to experience because of this invisible friend. When you finally divorce yourself from this invisible friend, will it have all been worth it? Guys cling to long-distance relationships because they've yet to learn that rejection is better than regret. AFCs will nurse along a long-distance relationship for years because it seems the better option when compared with actually going out and meeting new women who represent a potential for real rejection. They think it's better to stick with the sure thing, but it's the long-term regret that's the inevitable result of a long-distance relationship that's life-damaging. Nothing reeks of desperation or verifies a lack of confidence more than a guy who self-righteously proclaims he's in a long-distance relationship. Women who see you coming a mile off because you're a guy without options, clinging to his one previously realized option. In fact, the only reason a man entertains a long-distance relationship is due to a lack of options. If you had more plates spinning, a long-distance relationship would never look like a good idea. And finally, it's not uncommon to see the not-in-my-case defense offered about how you actually do see your invisible friend once every four or six months. To this I'll say, again, what opportunities are you censoring yourself from experiencing by playing virtual, long-distance house with a woman you only see this often? Do you honestly think you're the exception to the rule? The truth is you're molding your lifestyle around what you hope your relationship will be in the future. That's no way to live. Okay, back to 
this video. Of course, setting boundaries within your relationship is really important, but setting boundaries and being controlling are two very different things. And my last point here is money. Does she try to get you to buy a Birkin even though you just met her? If so, she's probably Indeed. toxic. Oh, yeah. She'll only talk to you when you're buying her something or taking her out. Remember here, what you allow is what will continue. Yeah, that, that sort of behavior is uh, absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> that That's like... You're a John to her. She's just using you. That's that's nuts to me, guys. That's I would never accept that. That's that's actually that's crazy. I really want to highlight here that it's toxic to spend tons of money to impress a woman. True. It's also toxic when a woman is only using you for your money. If she True. makes you pay her in order to send her a text message, again, if she's asking for a Birkin on the first date, of course. if she's asking you to fly her out and take her shopping and that's the only way she'll talk to you, probably a sign that this girl doesn't have your best interest in mind. That's for and sure. And wants to see what's in your wallet. Yeah. And if you're in a relationship or married, the same kind of money rule applies here, but it might just look a little bit different. Have you agreed on a budget and she goes behind your back to buy things anyway? Does she cross the boundaries that you've agreed on when it comes to finances? These are conversations that you need to be having. And in order to have a healthy, happy relationship, you have to make sure that you guys are both, you know, respecting each other's boundaries and not consistently crossing them. Or that leads to toxic behavior like this. All right, guys. True. So to wrap it up here again, I think a lot of times toxic behaviors. Okay. Uh, she didn't talk about. Um, okay. Uh, you know what? Let's look, let's let's continue with this for for Welcome a few minutes. To my so uh, it's just going to be uh, signs of a wife with narcissistic traits. Let me just skip to uh, past the. We're gonna skip to past the intro. Observable by the husband. So first, I'll take a quick look at narcissism, and then get right into the ten characteristics here. So what is narcissism? Well, narcissism is a set of personality traits characterized by being self-centered having a sense of entitlement, having a need for admiration, and having low agreeableness, being disagreeable. Now, when we move past this, we get into two types of narcissism, grandiose and vulnerable. With grandiose, we see characteristics like being self-confident, having superficial charm, being arrogant, being resistant to criticism, being callous, unemotional, and having externalized anger. With vulnerable narcissism, we see characteristics like being distrusting, feeling insecure, being resentful, having a lot of shame, being hypersensitive to criticism, being defensive, cold, distant, unforgiving, and having internalized anger. Much of the time when somebody's narcissistic, they tend to fluctuate between these two types of narcissism. So this list will have characteristics related to both types. Now, as I read the items in this list, when I use the term wife here, I'm talking about a wife with narcissistic characteristics. And when I use the term husband, I'm talking about a husband who does not. Because if both people have narcissistic characteristics, that would really be a different list. That would manifest differently. So again, the wife's narcissistic here and the husband is not. So moving right into the list with characteristic number one. This is a continuous sense that the wife is disappointed. She's disgusted by the husband's appearance, his earnings, like at his job, his contribution or lack of contribution to household chores, interactions with the children, his motivation, his educational level. So really, in many ways, if not in every way, the wife is putting the husband down. And this really fits into this narrative that the wife puts forth, that she's a victim of a bad marriage. Right. So he is never good enough. That's the idea. A bad husband. At the same time, 
the wife would be highly responsive if another woman is interested in the husband, right? Which seems inconsistent with this continuous sense of being disappointed. Number two, the wife tends to take sides against the husband by default. So she assumes the worst of the husband. She has a lot of distrust for him. So an example here would be something like if there's some sort of home improvement that the couple wants to do, like remodeling a room, putting down a floor, repainting, replacing light fixtures. Now, some people are good at this and some people aren't, but no matter what the skill level is, the wife is going to be skeptical about the quality of work that the husband can deliver. Maybe even to the point where she hires somebody after the job is done to do it right, right? To come back and fix everything that she thinks the husband did wrong. Now, the point of this isn't really to fix anything. It's to embarrass the husband and not give him any credit for being proficient at anything. Right. That's, um, yeah, not giving him any credit. Um, not, not able to, um, yeah, not, not able to, um, acknowledge that they're, that they're doing anything right. Giving him credit would run against this narrative that he's a bad husband. Now moving on to number three. Number three involves the fantasies of success, power, wealth, and other factors that we see with narcissism. So this is kind of, an unusual characteristic of narcissism. Somebody who's narcissistic has these fantasies somewhat frequently, and they tend to be fairly stable fantasies, like the same fantasy over a long period of time. Now here with the wife who's narcissistic, we would see several that involve another partner, like a replacement for the husband. And these aren't really delivered in a subtle way. Now, narcissistic fantasies extend into the future most of the time but they can also be in the present and in the past. This is one of those kind of unusual angles that we see here with these fantasies. So the fantasy could actually be going back in time and marrying somebody more worthy, a better provider, a better lover. Fantasies are often about undoing something that somebody regrets. And we often see that reflected in the phrases that are used. Phrases like, I never should have settled. I should have listened to my family members, who I guess would have said, not to marry the husband. I should have trusted my instincts. Now, of course, as I mentioned, many, many girls in 2023 have this. They, uh, yeah, many, many girls. They, basically, once girls have slept with a bunch of chads and become alpha widows, they actually exhibit a lot of these behaviors, guys. A lot of these. That's pretty scary. And the fantasy could also be in the future, and most of the time it would be. And with the future-oriented fantasies, we see that the wife is clear that if the fantasy could ever come true, she's gone. The marriage is over. She's not even pretending that there's a good relationship between the couple. Consistent with all the types of fantasies, the wife compares the husband to other men. She points out how other men are better. Now, what's interesting about these fantasies as well is that if the husband is doing something that supports one of the wife's fantasies, she gets along with the husband. So she gets along with him when he's working toward one of her fantasies. So if he takes a new job that's more demanding on him, but it pays better, the wife could be supportive, right? That kind of feeds into her fantasy, more money, or it could be just having him have a house more. That could be the fantasy as well, giving her more opportunities to explore alternative relationships. Number four is that the husband is paying for the sins of others. So what do I mean by this? Well, we see that in a lot of cases when people are narcissistic, they experienced some sort of maltreatment when they were younger. 
So maltreatment from a prior husband, prior boyfriend, parent, other relative, whoever it was in the case of the wife who has narcissistic traits. Every problem the wife has becomes the husband's fault. He is assigned all the blame. The husband, in a sense, becomes a composite of all those wrongdoers. And with his actions, whether they are right or wrong, they represent all the bad things that happen to the wife. So he represents the wrongdoers, and his actions represent all the bad occurrences. Yeah, uh, guys, you really don't want to be in a relationship with uh, <laughs> with someone like this. Okay, shout out to Dr. Todd Grande. That was actually some, some uh, straight-up amazing stuff there. So you can check out his video. It's just uh, 10 Signs of a Narcissistic Wife. Okay. Uh, all right, this is posted two years ago. Uh, sorry, two hours ago on relationship advice. Uh, the guy is 26 and his girlfriend is 26. I broke up with my girlfriend because of the way she was acting. Do I need to fix this? I need some advice because I don't really know what to do. We've been together for six years and the first four or five years were great. Over the last year or so, she's become bitter, for lack of a better word. It's gradually gotten worse, but the general vibe is that she doesn't want to be together anymore. She gives me dirty looks. She sleeps in another room. She won't let me touch her or even hug. She tells me to shut up when I speak. She declines any dates or activities together, but always goes out with friends. The list goes on. Yeah, she wants to break up. I've tried so hard to make things better. I've sat her down three times and explained that I'm not happy with the way things are. And each time I've done this, things have improved for a week or two. And she's promised to be better. And it's back to a normal relationship for a short while before being uh, going back to not being good. A few weeks ago, I snapped. She threw me one of her dirty looks and I couldn't take it anymore. And I said, I'm done. I said, I've tried to make this better and it's clearly not worked. So we're over and I want you to move out. She cried and said nothing and left to stay at her parents' house. Around a week later, she messaged and asked if we could talk. We met at a neutral location and she said that she's unhappy at work. Her contraceptive pill is changing her moods. She needs help and she doesn't want to lose me. Of course, I agreed to help her through this and said I want to make it work and I'll do anything to help. We agreed she would stay with her parents and we take it very slow. A few days later, she started messaging me things like her family really angry at me. I need to make this up to her by buying her flowers. I need to take her on dates. Her dad wants to have a chat with me. Her brother doesn't want her back together with me. Generally messaging things that imply that I have a lot of making up to do and that her family and friends hate me and that I'm the one that's messed up. I have no idea what she's told them that's happened between us. I feel like this has made me resent her even more. I feel like this entire uh, this is the entire reason our relationship ended. Um, and it was because of the way she was acting around me. It's honestly made me not want to make things right with her or even step up or give it to the relationship. Okay, uh, let's look at the top comment. If everything she says is correct, then it would be best for her to stay single and figure her crap out. Uh, I'll give you a hint. You have no obligation to be in a relationship with anyone if you don't want to. It's that simple. Especially when there are no kids involved. If you don't want to be with her, you don't have to be and you don't have to have a justification. There's no universal limit of terrible behavior in order to break up. You can set your own limits. Even if she's depressed uh, or you have done things wrong, it still does not obligate you to be in the relationship if you don't want to. Run, stop torturing yourself. Yeah, that's it. Okay, guys, we're going to end the video there. Again, um, you can subscribe and hit the like button. Thank you. Uh, go to my Patreon and subscribe. Patreon.com slash the Helios blog. Uh, again, it's Patreon.com slash the Helios blog. Drop me a donation like Hunter M, Adrian R, or Tom M. Shout out to them. Link is in the description. Thank you so much for watching the video to the end. Take care of yourselves, and I'll see you next time.